0818-715-815. Hello, good afternoon, and you're very welcome to Liveline. And Joe at RT.ie and 51551. When Vicky spoke publicly outside the four courts uh, on April 25th, 2018, after settling a high court action, uh, she gave voice, as you know, to many uh, women who had been suffering in silence. And as you know, it later emerged that more than 220 women with cervical cancer had earlier been given the all clear based on a cervical smear test carried out by the Cervical Check Screening Programme. I'm reading directly from the Irish Times obituary, and that's what we're reading today, obituaries of Vicky. These results were later found to be indicative of cervical cancer in a review, but many of the women who later developed cervical cancer were not told of the earlier inaccuracies. In other words, a cover-up uh, once again in Irish society and a cover-up once again affecting uh, women, uh, our listeners will be paying their own tribute directly to Vicky, um, who was, as I said earlier, selflessness personified um, later on in the programme. But again, a warning, I'm going back to another cover up, uh, the cover up that we've been talking about since last uh, Tuesday, and that is the cover up uh, of the abusers within uh, the Holy Ghost uh, order over uh, a number of years and, and as we're now discovering, up to and inclu- including quite recently. So, again, a warning to uh, for younger ears. And um, last on last Monday's documentary, one uh, member of the Holy Spirit Order was named uh, publicly. His name was Tom O'Born. Since then, on, on Liveline, we've had, uh, I think, six more, and there's more today, uh, Father Aloysius Flood, Father Senan Corrie, Father Gerard Hannan. And by the way, they've been named by a number, they've three of them. Uh, one of our callers, they abused him, but they also individually um, uh, abused others as well. And then it emerged that Hannan, Gerard Hannan, had also uh, abused Mark and David Ryan. Then we had Edward Baylor. We're still looking for more information on him um, because, as you may know, he was charged with abducting a child, taking him to a hotel in North Dublin and abusing the child. And he got two years. We don't even know if he ever went to prison. Um, Sen and Corrie got mentioned again. Uh, Flood got mentioned again, including by his niece, who uh, told us that he abused her from the age of five. And she thought, as she said, Michelle Flood is her name, she thought she would carry his name to the grave. Uh, Such was the hurt and shame that he visited uh, on her and her family. And she was glad that he had been publicly named and that's why she went public to uh, identify, she went to the guards as well, by the way, identify her her uncle, uh, Allo Flood, as he's uh, known as within Black Rock Circles, as being uh, one of her abusers. Then on Friday, it was Father uh, Gus Griffin, that was the sixth uh, priest. Uh, he was in, involved in Kimmage Manor and one of his victims spoke to us the previous day. And people might remember that horrific story when Gus Griffin decided to teach this 12-year-old boy how to play croquet. And that's when the abuse uh, started. Arthur Carraher is another name that's uh, been released over the weekend. And we will hear information on him from Canada shortly. Father Henry Maloney, his name has been around for a while, but none of his uh, victims have spoken uh, until now. Um, And uh, the name of his victim, he's from Sierra Leone, where uh, Archbishop uh, Brosnahan, Joseph Brosnahan, people might remember that name, um, Thomas Joseph Brosnahan, he's from Whitegate. He was uh, the Archbishop uh, in the city of Bow in West Africa, and he set up He'd been educated, by the way, in Rockwell College by the Holy Ghost Fathers. He'd been educated, by the way, in Blackrock College by the Holy Ghost Father. And he became a Holy Ghost Father. And he decided that the Holy Ghost Fathers would set up a school in West Africa, a private school. It's called Christ the King College. It's regarded as one of the most, now this will ring a bell 
just replaced uh, the word Ireland for Sierra Leone. Regards, one of the most influential schools in West Africa due to its tradition of hardworking teachers and student leadership. Academically, it's considered the leading secondary school in public examinations. Um, and they list the examinations. Um, and uh, the school, uh, Christ the King School, also has international students from Liberia, uh, Gambia, Ghana and Nigeria. And we'll be hearing from an international student from America who went to Blackrock College uh, in uh, a few minutes. But let me begin with uh, Elvis Kute. Elvis, good afternoon. Good afternoon to you. And Elvis, tell us, how did you... Uh, what age were you when you first came uh, in contact with Father Henry Maloney in your school in Sierra Leone? I must have been between um, 11 and 13 years old. Okay. And can you tell us, please, Elvis, what happened? Well, um, I, I got admitted to Christ the King College yeah. and um, I went for the admission interview. Yeah. Now, Father Moloney interviewed me, yeah. and he, being a left-handed person, and I was also left-handed, mm-hmm. he allowed me to sit on his lap, and then uh, we both uh, wrote, the quick brown fox jumped over the lazy dog. Mm-hmm. So that was the extent of my interview, and then um, I got admitted to the school. And mm-hmm. then the first time uh, commenced in the September, now, it happened that Father Moloney was my class teacher for uh, mathematics and religious education. Okay. And at the end of the first term, we had uh, our exam, our first time exam. Now, Father Moloney uh, was living just next door to the boarding, boarding home. Okay. So one evening, I went up to his flat just to inquire about my, my maths after yeah. the exam. Yeah. And then uh, when I went up there, he started, he allowed me to touch him. He touched me and and then he took me to bed. Mm. But there was no penetration. And he, he just you, you were, you were Elvis, you were 11 years of age. Between 11 and, I must have been 11, between 11 and 13 Sorry. when I went to Form 1. Okay. And Maloney abused you on that day. Did he abuse you again? Yes. Uh, I didn't quite understand what was happening because I was shocked and I did, and that was my first experience. So a few days later, I went back to inquire because uh, another, 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 uh, another of my grades. And then the same thing happened. And then I knew that something was not right, but I, couldn't, I didn't know what it was. I didn't know whether it was okay. sexual abuse. Because that is that is not something common when I was growing up in Sierra Leone, yeah, and, uh, and that was my very first time leaving home. You know, so I didn't know, but I did discuss it. Or I did I did uh, uh, inform one or two of my friends. Mm-hmm. So from then onwards, I would always avoid him, except when he was in class. But there was no longer any uh, personal contact between myself and him. And did you report it? Well, you were very young, but did you report it, Elvis, to the school authorities? No, I didn't. I, I didn't, but I, I, let, I, I informed one or two of my friends uh, and what has happened. But uh, in the body name, it was quite a common knowledge that father was, was touching uh, uh, boys. Yeah. It, was common, it was quite common. And Elvis is Christ. How? Just tell us a little bit about the boarding school, Christ the King College in Sierra Leone. Is it uh, when you were attending? Was it regarded as the best school in in the country? It was one of the best schools. Yeah, definitely one of the best schools in in the, in, in the country. It was a leading school in the country, a prestigious school. Yeah. <laughs> and and Elvis, especially in public y- exams. Yeah, I see that, and they're still up there when it comes to these awful tables that are published every year in Ireland about who got the best leaving cert results. Now, Elvis, when did you discover that Father Henry Maloney? I've no, we've no idea where he is now. Um, he he started abusing boys in the nineteen sixties in St Mary's College here in Rathmines in Dublin. He was then he was transferred by the Holy Ghost Order 
to um, Sierra Leone. They knew, obviously, of his of his uh, crimes, um, where he was housemaster and he continued to abuse boys. Elvis, do you know, were you the only victim? Do you know if you are the only victim of Henry Maloney in Sierra, Le- Sierra Leone? I can I can only I can only speak about myself, my own experience. Um, let other people speak for themselves. Yeah. But what I can tell you is, when for the Maloney, because when I, when I came forward with my story, it's emerged that when for the Maloney got to Sierra Leone to CKC in 1973, yeah, he he was it it was alleged that he was touching boys. And the senior boys, uh, in, a, in their own way, brought this to the attention of the school authorities. Yeah. And the school authorities did not believe the boys when, they, uh, when this was brought, because they, they started uh, drawing lewd pictures on the school walls. So uh, the school authorities came to know about this, but they didn't quite believe the students when they raised this. And for some of them, lost their, their, their places in the, in, in the body home. They were expelled from the body home. Either they were expelled or suspended. And this is going back to four years before I even went to the school. This yeah. 1973, the very year that Father Moroni went to the school. That, that very first year, uh, there were uh, protestations against him in the school by the senior boys. And nothing was done about it. Nothing was done about Even though we presume they were aware of his previous crimes in St. Mary's uh, here in Dublin in the 1960s. He was eventually removed from ministry by the Holy Ghost Fathers. His, his litany of crime began in the 60s, but he was eventually removed in 1996. Um, he's been convicted uh, three times on three separate occasions of abusing boys, 2000, 2009, and again in 2000 and uh, 15. Now you decided to take a case Elvis, which is very courageous against uh, Maloney. Why did you take the case in Ireland? As a way of encouraging others to come forward um, yeah. and I yes just to encourage others to come forward and uh, and also just to highlight the the abuse that I suffered at his hand. Yeah. At such a young age. And Elvis, did you tell your parents? No, I never I never discussed with my parents. Okay. Okay, stay with us. I want to go to Pat now. Joe at RT.ie, no matter where in the world you're listening. Joe at RT.ie. Um, Pat, good afternoon. Good afternoon, Joe. Where were you abused, can I ask, Pat? Um, I was abused in Rockwood College there back in the, um, the mid mid-80s. Okay, and what age were you? Um, I think I was about 16 or 17 at the time. Okay. And uh, Elvis there detailed the circumstances. Um, Maloney was his maths teacher. He did an exam and um, I don't know whether Peter got the, people got the listeners got the... And, and religious education. Religious, yeah. And then he said to Elvis, come up to my room, I'll give you your maths results. And that's when he abused him. How did you... How how did your abuser engage you, Pat? Um, well, Joe, the the guardy actually came over one day to to question me about an incident that happened outside the school, um, which I had nothing to do with. Okay. And the the, the head priest at the time, um, he kind of copped onto that, and um, it kind of went from there. Really, that he told me that he could get me expelled from the school, and yeah. and that was really the start of a kind of being blackmailed into stuff. So, the, your abuser, was your abuser aware of the Gardaí coming to the school on this completely different event? Yeah, he called me into the office telling me that the Gardaí were there. And what, did, did he did he know why they had called? Um, I would presume so, I'm not 100% sure, I presume so, okay. yeah. And how did that go from the Gardaí doing a routine inquiry, which it turned out had nothing to do with you. How did that go from that innocent enough inquiry to you being abused? Well, back then, Joe, he would actually call you into his office yeah. uh, slash um, living quarters there and um, 
he would, you know, start from there. And another way that he used to start as well, usually at lunchtime when everyone was having their lunch, he'd give out the mail. Yeah. And he wouldn't have anything, say, from myself or whatever, and he'd say, oh, I have a letter for you in the office, come and get it. And that's one way he went about it, you know. And what, when you got to the office, that's when he abused you? Yeah, yeah. So they always, um, they always find an opening, they always find a vulnerability. In your case, he, he obviously exaggerated what the guard you were there for and said, if you, if you don't, don't put words in your mouth either, but if you don't keep our secret, which we've heard so many times, um, I'll what, get the guards onto you. No, that he would actually expel me from the school. Oh, expel you from the school? Yeah. And what did he seem to think because the guards had, had called, that would give him a reason? Yeah, at the time, Joe. And uh, what another thing that would happen too, then he, he decided that I should learn how to drive. Okay. And he just bring me out in his car out of the college then as well and kind of do the same thing. Abuse you in the, in the car? Yeah. God, God. And Pat, and even, uh, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, and even even this guy was so bold there, like we were, in one of our years there, we were sleeping in the dorm without, I don't know, 36, 40 people inside in it. Yeah. And at night time when the lights would go off, he'd actually, you'd hear him creeping in the door and sometimes he would go from bed to bed and put his hands up under the covers there and, you know, touching up people under the covers there. And even though the room was full, you could hear people telling them to go away and all this kind of yeah. thing, you know. My God. He was just brazen. Brazen isn't the words. Now, how, how long did you spend in Rockwell, Pat? I was there for two years, Joe. And was that, were you due to be two years or you left early or? No, it was two years was the time, yeah. Yeah, okay. Now, did he try and contact you afterwards? Yeah. Um, I moved to Cork afterwards, Joe, and um, he was turned up on my doorstep on numerous occasions and just arrive at the door or whatever, you know, and mm -hmm. um, trying to let himself in or whatever, like, and just, he was kind of trying on the same things all the time then afterwards. He basically called to your, what, to your workplace or your home to abuse you? Yeah, yeah, Joe. Now, did you tell anyone, or do you think the school knew about this, or what's your I, own I think, sense, Pat? Well, um, I think some people, most people, would actually know. Well, all the students actually knew. There was no question about it. Like the, you know, the um, what was just commonplace there back then, you know. But as I said, Joe, everyone was. Um, you know, everyone was afraid of the church and the priest back yeah, then, so yeah. nobody wanted to do anything. And, you know, I believed it was a couple of our kind of dorm supervisors and stuff. I believe everybody knew about it, you know. Yeah. And how did it affect you? Well, odd enough over the years, Joe, to kind of come and go at you all the yeah, time. And, yeah. and, and then just a couple of years before COVID there, I was watching... Uh, someone on the Lay Late Show one night there when they were talking about institutional abuse and, yeah. you know, it was kind of playing at my mind then. So I decided that I was going to go to the Gardaí and make a complaint a few years back. And um, But when, when I made the complaint to the Gardaí, mm -hmm. uh, I only discovered at the time then that the, the priest in question was actually, who was after dying in the meantime. Yeah. So, but um, I put it up on our... Um, school Facebook page as well and okay. loads of other people came forward and contacted well me done. And well done a lot of those made a statement to Gardy as well on the incident okay yeah. um, but your perpetrator uh, is, uh, died he died since yeah he was um, after he left the college there he was sent out uh, to a um, a parish there and then he ended up then his later years I believe he was in um, he was in um uh, Kimmage as well that's where he ended up as far as I know Kimmage Manor yeah yeah and as far as I know as well Joe, best of my knowledge he spent a good few years out in the missions too in Africa so that that yeah. could have been carried out there as well you know yeah I'm staying with us Pat Elvis Kute uh, what um, the, the the effect on you in your life Elvis of the what abuse by, by Henry Maloney at the time, uh, after the incident, I didn't think much about it until my, in my adult school. And the, the things that have happened to me 
the unsettledness at work and all of that. And, you know, um, affected my relationship with my, with my wife, my, my wife. You know, but at the time, it didn't mm-hmm. have any, it didn't seem to have any impact on me. But looking okay. back now, I can see how it had unsettled me from employment to employment and all of that. And was when you took the case in Dublin, uh, Elvis, which is very courageous of you, was was Maloney named publicly at that time? Yes, he was named. Okay. Um, and did you did did you get an apology from the Holy Ghost Fathers? Yes, they did apologize, and he himself, uh, well, whether it was him, but he actually in in uh, in an email uh, on social media, he did confess to what he had done. Mm-hmm. Now, whether that, that actually that image came from him or not, I do not know. But okay. something to that effect that he, he he did acknowledge what he had done to me, and that it, you know, and the uh, the, uh, the the priest did apologize in 2016. Okay, and do you know where Maloney is now, Elvis? He's dead. Oh, he's dead. Okay. He died three years ago. Three years ago. Okay, and you know. Did he die in the care of the, the Holy Ghost Order or had he left? I have no idea. No idea, okay. Okay, okay. Or is he buried, as we discovered, for most of the perpetrators last week, Flood and Corey and Hannon. Um, we don't know where Baylor is buried, but they, they're all buried in and paid for by the Holy uh, Ghost in their plot either. I think they have a plot in Dardistown, massive uh, area they have porches in Dardistown Cemetery and they've apparently a plot in uh, Shankana, uh, Shankill as well. Shankill as well. Um, and Ender, good afternoon. Good afternoon, Joe. Um, you're a former student of Black Rock. Do you know since since last week has there been? I don't know whether you're involved in any of those WhatsApps or chat groups. And is this a the main topic of conversation? It is indeed, Joe. Um, yeah, I left in 77. Um, I listened on Monday and was absolutely shocked at the extent of the abuse, but maybe not surprised. Okay. Um, we have a class WhatsApp group to stay in contact. It normally carries what you might consider rubbish and updates yeah, know, to stay yeah. in contact. But since Monday, it's just been alive with anger at those involved in all aspects of this abuse. Um, and, and I would have to say that um, the WhatsApp group and the ability to express the anger uh, and indeed your program has been very therapeutic, I think, for all of us in exposing what we all suspected. Um, and I know from the messages on the WhatsApp group that everybody feels a debt of thanks uh, initially to the Rhines, yeah. but to all the others who have come out and spoken out about it. Um, but the reason I, I wanted to express my views to you, Joe, and, and, mm-hmm. and uh, otherwise, is that um, I, the issues are still not being adequately addressed. I mean, the Spearson's website still recommends that those who are hurt make contact with their team, yeah. um, sponsored by the Spearsons themselves. Now, for many people who are hurt, they're very unlikely to go forward to to any um, investigation run or w- directly or indirectly by the Spiritans or the college. The reporting office and an investigation should immediately be handed over to an independent authority to supervise. Okay. Um, the, the Spiritans can take that step immediately. Just hand over all documentation, unredacted, to someone like one in four are the Rape Crisis Centre, and I'm sure there's many other organisations who could do it as well. They can provide the understanding, the sympathy, the guidance, and they can assist mm-hmm. victims if they want to go forward to the guards or just want somebody to listen to them. Um, but what are, and what are the chances of that happening? One, um, and I know times change and people change and, and personalities change and the... the People filling different roles change as well, but the the, the example there of Elvis Kute, Elvis would not have been abused 
at 11 years of age by Henry Maloney, if the Holy Ghost fathers, who were aware of his abuse in St. Mary's and Rathmines, didn't transfer him to Christ the King College, in, um, they basically got him out of the way. And then, 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 sorry, just the second part to try and make the question intelligible to you, to you. And the the second part is, um, why is it that it took the documentary last Monday, and then when we got more names in, we had to put the names to the spiritans, one by one, uh, and they would say a or nay, and they did say a, as I say to the eight people we named. We we now have four other names with them which they will not give us an answer on. So it's drip, drip, drip. So what, what, given that it's drip, 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 what, what gives you any confidence and uh, that the sluice gates will open and that the Holy Ghost or the Spiritans, as they're now called, will give all their reservoir of information to the Gardaí or to one and four or to the Rape Crisis Centre? Do you have any confidence that they'll do that? Not a lot, Joe, other than that somewhere in all of this mess, I know that there are 200 students uh, who were in class with me who were taught to stand up for what is right. Mm-hmm. And we know what's right in this case. There needs to be an investigation, first of all, as to what went on on the Blackrock campus. But who abused? Who did what? Who knew about it? Who knew about it, yeah. Was there, was there a ring in place? And, and was there a cover-up? Yeah. I, personally, I have strong suspicions that there was a cover-up. But it goes beyond that. The school today, and I'm told by those who have contact with it, that it's a different school to the school we were in, okay? And mm. it's advanced. And, I, and, I, and I'm inclined to accept that. But it deserves to have its name cleared. And there were many lay teachers and some priests in the school who were not the nasty, difficult course, people yeah. who called causes. They deserve to have their names cleared. And, and just if the powers in the Spiritans and the college are listening today for their own good, for everybody's good, take up this suggestion and set up an independent uh, investigation immediately. This is urgent. Okay, stay stay with us. Sure. Joe Joe at rt.ie five one double five one text. Talk to Joe on O eight one eight seven one five eight one five. Talk to Joe on O eight one eight seven one five eight one five. And uh, Mark Vincent Healy uh, and is still with us. Pat is still with us. Uh, Elvis is still with us. Mark, good afternoon. Good afternoon, Joe. Uh, the name, and I know you've raised it before, but the name of Arthur Carraher. Um, yes. uh, he abused you in, was it St. Mary's in, in Dublin? St. Mary's Junior School, um, when I just turned nine. Uh, my birthday falls in June, so my summer always started with a birthday party, if you like. Yeah. But then um, back to school in September, and I run into Carraher in so I just turned uh, nine, as I keep saying. I was eight and a quarter, like children would say. Yeah. <laughs> You're very proud of your little quarters or halves. That and that's how young I was um, when Carraher uh, abused me, yeah. And you were at the Holy Ghost School, St. Mary's in Rathmines, where Maloney also uh, taught uh, at, a different, at a different time. Um, that's yeah, the beginning of the senior school. So basically from the years of 1969 to 1972 were the years uh, which spread and included those two priests and my being abused by them. And you heard Elvis there say, well, I hope you heard Elvis saying that, like, he went over to collect his exam results. Maloney told him to come to my room. To, he gave out the, the maths exam results to the other lads, told, yeah. told Elvis to come to his room and abuse him. But Elvis didn't... He, he, he was only 11 or maybe in the closest right, to it. 11, but he, yeah. he didn't know what was happening. No. And no, no child knows what's about to happen for the first time to them, certainly have no idea how what's going to happen, what's going to unfold just mm-hmm. there and then. The, the tragic story about Elvis and then those other callers that came in, um, apologies for not naming them, uh, which is 
particular respect for them. Yeah. But those in Rockwell were also abused by Maloney. It just shows that the congregation must have known an awful lot more than is ever given uh, uh, credence. Because they knew from St. Mary's, it was five families came forward through a doctor, a GP, because okay. they, were too, they didn't want to get their family names embroiled in it. So that was in 73 for Maloney. Uh, five families through a doctor and then he's transferred down to Sierra Leone where he immediately starts his abuse and as Elvis was telling you then about the protest that was held by the senior form boys it's the black rock of Sierra Leone Mm -hmm. and uh, the senior form boys take umbrage to the presence of Maloney at the school and no one full well what he's doing to the first form boys they hold a protest the boarders do by drawing pictures lewd pictures of what he's been doing to them on the school wall at night yeah. only for assembly to be called the following morning and the principal asked who did that and 12 brave boys stepped forward we did from the senior form class yeah. and they're told well you're all expelled that was their protest this is a school that has built like Black Rock has built the yeah. leaders of Sierra Leone have come from, from Christ the King College the leaders of Ireland have come out of and certainly contributed greatly to the leadership in Ireland have come from Black Rock. So the two schools have an awful lot in common. Yeah. They're also open to sort of like foreign diplomats and sending sort of like uh, big families that send their kids to yeah. Black Rock, yeah. just like you'd have the neighbouring countries of Sierra Leone, um, the leading families that send their kids also to Christ the King College. But to think that sort of like this abuse of Elvis and those in his uh, school for the six-year period he was there, Maloney was there, um, he got away with it, despite that protest. And the, unfortunately, I can actually fill out that those six, uh, or those 12 boys who stepped forward, um, they were expelled, but then there was such a brouhaha by these big families. Obviously, they weren't having their kids thrown out. This is the year before they start university. Yeah, yeah. So they have a brouhaha. I think the British of Kenema is dragged into the whole story of what's happening down there. If you can imagine what's just happening now in Black Rock, you can see what would have happened down there over something like the, the dismissal of 12 of the senior boys. So they fight for it anyway, and they said, OK, we let you stay in the school, mm-hmm. but as boarders, you lose your privileges. You have to go find accommodation elsewhere. Some found that difficult, especially those who were boys who had uh, scholarships to attend that school. Okay. They didn't have extra money for then paying for accommodation in the local town in Bow. But um, they were faced with that. Some fared all right, others did not, and they were, their lives were deeply affected. And yet they weren't directly abused. What they had done was stood up for their first-form boys yeah, who had been. Yeah. Bravest boys. I mean, yeah. my hat's off to them. They're, to me, like, they're the 12 sort of like white knights yeah. of the, the school and what they did. I don't know of any other school that stood like that yeah. with and alongside those who had been abused and them not themselves being the case of abuse. So, it sounds uh, it was a, a wonderful market. story. It's, it sounds and like by it, the way, but, I'll fill you uh, in one other thing, yeah. Joe, on that. And that was that one of the guys who had been abused, he brought, he told his father about his abuse. Yeah. And the father disbelieved him, basically thinking he was first-generation Christian and Catholic, baptised, all the rest. He knew about the pagan side of, I suppose, and the animus religions of Sierra Leone. And he took it that sort of like his son was living in that category of person, that he was basically possessed of a spirit of a devil and talked about him as being a, literally a child, a spawn of the devil is mm-hmm. the word that they use. So he disowned him for 40 years. His pride in his son was My gone. God. Then when, his, when Maloney's prosecution in the 2009 case. He was prosecuted in 2000 for two cases. He was prosecuted in mine, conjoined in 2009, and then there's another case against a Rockwell lad in 2015. But the prosecution, anyway, noticed from the Irish Times, gets into the hand of one of those, that this young man, then now a 40-year-old, he was my, he was my contemporary. So he gets hold of this. He brings it to his father to mm. read. His father reads it, breaks down in tears and said, I don't know why I ever believed those people and gave up my own blood for them. The restoration of that man's relationship with his son so many years later made every... 
But I mean, it gave me peace of mind. Okay. Was there any good that could come out of sort of like coming forward and having your say and reporting what happened to you? That solved it for me. Yeah. I, my father was dead. I couldn't. I could never have that conversation. Nor would I ever have that conversation with my own father. But to hear of that. We say restored bond between a father and a son meant everything to me and everything that I was doing. was I was on the right path as far as I was concerned. This is what I... And I've dedicated my life to doing that now to support all survivors. Spiritons has has been a specific one. All Spiritons survivors. I'll do a bend over backwards. Anything I can do to help you, I'm there for you. Um, And that's what I do now. But that's part of the reason of it. That guy himself is is cause for it. But also knowing that sort of like the Spiritons themselves yeah, there's, there's their end of just previously said, like, they weren't all bad, they weren't all bad apples. That, that's correct, they're not. Many of them dedicated a purposeful mm. life to helping the poor, the uneducated, the sick around the world. They're in present in something like 64 different countries. So they've got an extensive reach. They do amazing work. But then there's these bad apples in it. But it's not mm. just the bad apples themselves. Unfortunately, they're supported by those who, are, who assisted or covered up the issues. Like for Elvis to have been abused, for example, the principal of St. Mary's College at the time, is now deceased, was a father, James Hurley. He later became a superior, actually, and the principal down in Rockwell. But anyway, for the, the purposes of, of, of uh, Elvis's background and his story, yeah. was that the principal went to the then provincial, uh, Father Christie O'Brien, for the order, to ask for a transfer of Maloney out of there in 73. And it was facilitated. And that's basically how he got to there. He stays down there for six years. He comes back a year. He spends then in Blackrock College. So there is a connection for Blackrock in this. I don't know of any case of his abusing there. But he he leaves Blackrock and then he continues with... And by the way, he's received Black and Blackrock. Who's there to receive him? Jim Harley. Okay. The very, the very principal yeah, who's yeah, asked yeah, for his transfer yeah. down to Africa is there in Black Rock to receive him back. And then in the following year, 81, the two of them, um, Hurley and Maloney, are transferred down to Rockwell. Hurley to be a uh, superior and principal, again down there, and then uh, uh, Maloney to be a teacher. Stay with so us, Mark. Mark I, want to, I, I want to ask you after the break, and we have a number of calls from across the Atlantic I want to get to as well but Mark I want to ask you yeah. after the break what, ha- what happened Carragher your, your abuser Joe at rte.ie Talk to Joe on 0818 715 815 Talk to Joe on 0818 715 815 So how did your abuser Mark uh, Mark Vincent how did your abuser Arthur Carragher Holy Ghost Father in right. Ratmines in Dublin St Mary's how did he end up in Canada? Um, well, he preceded uh, Maloney at uh, St. Mary's College and it was in 1971, two years prior, that he ended his two-year stint at St. Mary's from 1969 to 71. Um, and that was uh, predicated on a, on a complaint raised by um, two brothers whose mother went down to the school to report their abuse of Carraher and... Um, that mother basically was told that sort of like, look, we'll we'll deal with it and we'll get get him out of the way, as it were. So what they did again, this is Harley was taking the complaint, and you had um, Christie then or Christie O'Brien uh, as provincial taking the complaint, and he facilitated the transfer then to Canada. You have to remember as well, back in the 70s, pre 73. To understand the dimensions of this congregation and just how far their reach and power was earlier on at that time, the geopolitical uh, extent of the Irish provincial actually extended to North America. It extended to Canada, extended to okay. West Indies, that extended to West Africa. So they could have a readily, a ready and easy way of transferring any members between those locations. In other words, you wouldn't have to apply internally within the congregation for another provincial to please accept a member from our province to yours. So he had that freedom to be able to transfer him, and he did. So he transferred Carragher in 71 to Canada, and he went then to Guelph in Canada in Ontario. 
And I only found out more about that and the details of it when the papal visit came around 2018. And um, I was on and there was an article put out by the Canadians and that Canadian article about my calling out uh, Carraher and that I'd never heard what happened to any survivors once he got out to there, but I'm fully convinced that he continued his predation of boys when he got there. And that visit, uh, I got then three three callers coming to me telling me about their abuse in Canada at his hands. Um, and stra- straight away, it didn't happen years later, it was like on the year of transfer, he was up to it still again. I think there's a lot more cases in Canada, in fact. Um, again, this is why the call for an inquiry is important. The accountability issues, the facilitation of this abuse, where it could have easily went from one place to another. Mm-hmm. The case that was brought up there by Mark Ryan and uh, David Ryan, for example, against Tom O'Byrne in, in uh, yeah. Black Rock. You see, he's stationed for 10 years out in Sierra Leone, then he comes back and he's three or so years in Art Bracken as a bursar there. And then he's transferred out of there to spend 40 consecutive years in Black Rock College. So I can't imagine that Tom O'Byrne abused but those two boys. Uh, he certainly didn't. Yeah. And um, I'd say 40 years activity in that college would have meant that O'Byrne yeah. has many survivors who probably still have either we, we had On Thursday, I think we spoke to Michael, who was abused by... Uh, Tom Tom O'Brien as well. Let's let's go to Canada and, and Troy Bridgeman, who's in Guelph. I don't know how to, in Ontario. Mark Vincent mentioned it there. Um, Troy, how did you come across as he was then, Father Arthur Carher of the Holy Ghost Fathers? I was a uh, altar boy with uh, Father Carher when he first came to Guelph. Okay, and I served with him. I my family had a singing group and. Uh, Carragher used to get us to sing at masses when the at the church and when he did masses outside the church and uh, so I spent a lot of time with him alone. But I okay. can, I you know, I know sometimes people repress memories and I really yeah. fought with my, but I have no reason to believe he he uh, molested me. But okay. I I know that and like Mark said, there's lots of evidence and it's inconceivable that he didn't molest like uh, that guy was involved with Mark for a while trying to uh, research yeah. his activities here and uh, Hi, Troy. we uh, and there was three people that came forward they they talked to Mark and uh, they talked to me as well and uh, mm-hmm. and uh, we know I mean it's like I said it's hard to conceive that he didn't molest more uh, boys or g- girls or whatever uh, mm-hmm. he was moved all over the province and there was, I believe there was a complaint made against him in Guelph, but when I filed a Freedom of Information inquiry to the Guelph police, they wouldn't confirm or deny. They said, okay. we can't confirm or deny this information because it may uh, affect an innocent person, which to me is an admission that there was a complaint, but I can't confirm mm-hmm. that. And uh, and the our investigation kind of, kind of went dead, like despite all the press that we got out all the attention that we built there's been no development since then like no one's come forward publicly come here officially to me or i'm not sure if they've got a hold of you mark but ideally it's been very uh very frustrating so i'm i don't know if elated is the right word but i am i am very happy that this thing is breaking like it is now because i'm hoping Mm. this will help victims here in guelph and of course he was in toronto he was in a uh, place called Scotland, which is just outside Paris, Ontario, and uh, West Hill, and you know he was in the Hamilton and Toronto diocese. Just moved mm-hmm. around, and I'm assuming he was moved because a complaint was made, and then he was moved. There were always yeah. very mysterious uh, reasons that he left a parish. And did he, did he not admit at one stage, um, or, or didn't dispute the allegations? but said, um, I'm too ill to face them, which is yeah. Warren's line uh, as Mark, well. Mark could speak to that, but I know well, that he yeah, did. That was in 2004 when um, the then-provincial Pat Palmer was trying to have him extradited back from Canada. You have to understand there's no extradition treaty with Canada. OK, I didn't know that. Yeah. This was following a case which came forward, two boys, uh, different two boys, go out in 1999 to mm-hmm. complain about Carraher. 
And when they're out there, um, the case then makes um, the surface, I think, around 2001. Uh, Paul Williams, I think, was the reporter in okay. Ireland here that did cover that story at the time. And what happened with, with that was that uh, a subsequent request by the Irish Provincial, since he made full admission of those abuses which took place in this jurisdiction, to, therefore to return here and to face the music, okay. he resolutely refused to do it. He wasn't coming back. And that was made. That was a request made in 2004 by the then provincial, as I say, Pat Palmer. He was also given quite good, we'd say, sucker and coverage to stay uh, in Canada by the provincial that was out there at the time. He wasn't for encouraging them to have to come back either to face yeah. the music. So he was. There is. This is the inquiry aspect of these matters. One is you see the abuse that happened to the victims, and we want to get the clarity of that and how many there were and what can be done about them and supporting them. And then the other issue is to what degree was there collaboration, concealment and connivance by the congregation itself to cover up these matters and who was covering it up and how were they covering it up? Only an inquiry will actually bring light to those sorts of questions. And it takes time. I've been at this for years, like 16 years since I reported my abuse and 10 years working at the front line of this to try to discover information. And I'm still finding pieces of information all the time on it. But it takes me a lot longer than what uh, an appointed judge or senior counsel who could take over uh, a proper inquiry. Okay. Have the Department yeah. of Justice give the re- uh, re- requisite uh, legislation to underpin and, and inform that appointee to that role of, of inquiry. But that's how this has to proceed. And it's only that way will we get the details that are necessary to understand how this culture of abuse was allowed to persist. Someone that was mentioned there recently, just to bring it back to BlackRock, because it's very important because that's really been the focus. Aloysius Flood, for example, was appointed to four different, of the five Irish colleges here, he was appointed to four of them mm-hmm. for periods of up to five or six years each go. So he wasn't just in Blackrock, Willow Park. He was also in St. Michael's. He was also in Temple Oak. And he was also in St. Mary's College. The only college he wasn't actually in was Rockwell. Yeah. So they did, they must have known about him. And again, an inquiry would fill that out. We'd get survivors coming forward from all those uh, And remember, sure. remember, Mark, as well, I, I, I take your point about Carter saying he was too ill and uh, that, yeah. that, that never stopped any, uh, that never stopped Simon Weisenthal when he was tracking down uh, criminals, war criminals. Um, but but it did, in fairness, it did, well, this day last week when David and Mark revealed their abuse, one of the shocking elements of many shocking elements is that when they went to the DPP, decided to take a case against O'Born, yeah. went to the High Court, and this uh, O'Born is, is legal defence pa- paid for. He, he, he argued and went to the yeah. Supreme Court and won it. He Correct. won it in no, our I Supreme think, yeah. Court that too much time has elapsed and he was too old. Outrageous can, stuff. Fortunately, though, that was overturned later as a defence. And with regards just to the question of Maloney, or sorry, Gib- Gib- Gibney, Gibney got that defence as well. The swimming coach, the abuser, he was, yeah. he, I know, oh, it's yeah, overturned that's correct, since. Yeah. That's, and that was the unfortunate thing, that once you get a case of precedence, that it's then applied to other cases, yeah. and unfortunately the injustice uh, spread it. Or spread, but what you also had here was that sort of like it was overturned, and I want that to be clear that that's not yeah. used as a defence anymore. In terms of Carragher in 2004 and this claim that he was unwell and you know infirmed in some way, I was able to track down that he was still in ministry for the next two years after that. Claims that have been refuted by the um, uh, guys over in Canada, but I said, look, I've got it on your website. Uh-huh. that he was working there and I, I, I've got photographs that sort of like the same. So don't give me that sort of like he was too unwell to face the music back here uh, for crimes which he had completely admitted. It wasn't sorry he wasn't admitting them, but he wasn't coming back. And he knew, I'd say, probably if he did, you see, the other cases would have come forward in their droves as well to, to make uh, Remember, yeah. I started out for three years, Joe, and I was told I was a malicious man in bringing my allegations against Arthur Carragher. For three years. That's okay. despite the fact that I had a prosecution, successful criminal prosecution against Maloney in 2009. Up to 2010, I was told if, if Maloney's case had not happened, my allegations against Carraher would have been deemed malicious 
because yeah. they couldn't find anything else. It took me, what, till 2018 is the last of the ads that came forward that I've been able to add to a list. There's 12 of us. 12. OK, we have um, uh, Rick Saint on the uh, line as well. He's in uh, the West Coast. He's in, uh, well, he's in Dallas uh, in the United States. Rick, good afternoon. Hello, Jeff. Good and good morning you? to you. And thanks for taking the call, uh, Rick. Tell us your you 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 went. I know you're obviously from the states, but your BlackRock, as we said earlier, had a number of foreign students as well. Such was its uh, prestige. How did you end up in BlackRock, and and what was your experience there, Rick? Uh, a long story as to how I ended up there. Uh, I was there for four years, uh, two years on campus at Willow Park, uh, one year off campus when they stopped taking borders, and then one year at Blackrock. And what what, so, what was your experience there? Um, so in my second year, uh, while I was boarding at, uh, Black, at Willow Park, yeah. uh, I skipped taking a shower one day. Okay. And then um, I was uh, called on the carpet with Father Flood. Uh, this is that Al- night from the dorms. Flood, yeah. Yeah. Yes, thank you. Um, so he had me stripped down uh, uh, sorry, to see how dirty Rick, I was. Rick, Rick, what age were you when you were called into Flood's office? You were called uh, into uh, Flood's uh, office uh, because another, another. Do you remember the priest who who spotted that you hadn't taken the shower? Or complain. Uh, I cannot. Okay. I cannot remember. Okay, so you're um, you're called you're called you're called into Flood's office. You're ten years of age, for not having a shower. Mm-hmm. And what did he do to you? Uh, he had me stripped down uh, to see how dirty I was. Good uh, God! He came ar- around the desk uh, and he started rubbing my ankles. Um, I knew that this was he. He'd crossed a line, so mm-hmm. I tensed up. Um, uh, my body language said, don't touch me. Yeah. Uh, and he stopped. Uh, uh, he, he'd asked me a lot of questions. So he, he watched me for quite a while as I was standing there naked. Oh, then um, then I took, uh, took my this for my misbehavior of not taking a shower. This uh, was when they would uh, hit you either on the hand and or uh, buttocks with a long leather strap. Um, most of the priests carried them. Uh, this is how they disciplined the children. Uh, and and I was sent back to the dorm. But he he put hands on me, but not on my privates. Okay. Because um, I this, basically this, shut that down. But this man, I and, and this man made a young boy, ten, eleven years of age, strip naked in his office. With, with, a, with a pretty, but not that this man Flood ever needed an excuse. And he said, he said, you you haven't taken a shower. I want to see how dirty you are, stripped naked. And yes. look, and you you knew this was wrong. You you sensed, or you sensed there was something untold. Yes, yeah. I, I was kind of a loner there at uh, Willow Park, um, so I. I you know, most of the kids did not communicate with me. Uh, okay. So I, di- I didn't know what was going on with the other students. And when you've heard this, this material over the last... I know you've heard some of it before through Mark Vincent, I think. But the, when you heard this material emerging over the last week, these new allegations, especially around Flood, mm-hmm. I don't know whether you heard that... Flood himself, one of his niece, contacted us to tell us that he started abusing her when she was five years of age, Rick. Five years yeah. of age. Anyway. Yeah. Um, it, it's sad. I, the, uh, the, the, the former pupils that have come forward, uh, props to them. That's all I can say. I, I, me, I dodged a bullet. Uh, I was one of the lucky ones. Uh, I think as somebody said, there was uh, 90% had a good time. I was 85% because something happened, but it wasn't to the level of the other 10%. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure there's others that have um, had near misses also. Yeah. That's what happened to me. It was a near miss. As you, as what you say, you dodged a bullet. And Rick... Do, do you do you still have contact with any of your 
classmates from BlackRock going back? Um, I, um, my two brothers, uh, one I'm not really in contact with. Uh, I've, I've spoken with my other brother. He was not abused. Uh, a couple of other uh, classmates that I do communicate with, and they're just shocked. Shocked. Yeah. You know. <laughs> which is, a, which is uh, even the way you say it is so appropriate, Rick. Shocked. So many people are shocked. Stay, stay with us. Um, we talk to Jonathan after this break. Talk to Joe on 0818 715 815. Joe Duffy. Talk to Joe on 0818 715 815. Jonathan O'Connor. Jonathan, good afternoon. Good afternoon, Joe. Uh, just, How are you? Uh, good, thanks. How are you? More importantly, you were in Willow Park School, 73 to 76. And you remember incidents involving this man, Baylor, Edward Baylor, formerly uh, brother Ignatius Baylor, um, and then subsequently caught by Gardy having abducted a child and brought him to a room to abuse him in a hotel in North County, Dublin. We can't find out any information about him. Did he ever go to prison? And uh, also father, Senan Curry. Um, yeah, Joe. I I went to to Willow Park. Uh, I joined in third class, and okay. um, I had Father Curry as my maths teacher. And he used to every day he'd he'd storm into the room, he'd grab up the one meter rule and slam it on the desk to put the fear of God into us. Um, and like I remember one day he did that, and and it broke. And we laughed. We all laughed for about three seconds, okay. and then we shut up. Um, and other days we had we had hidden it, whatever. But uh, on one occasion, um, he got very angry uh, to one of the other one of the pupils, Pierce Brown, right. and he opened the window of the classroom and he pushed the boy out into the, the yard. Um, out through the window. Out through the open window. Yes. Now it was. We were on the ground floor. Luckily enough mm-hmm. for Pierce, I, I suspect that mightn't have worried him too much uh, if we were higher up. But nevertheless, uh, Pierce fell out, and uh, and that was. We were all shocked. And this think, was uh, this was Corrie's anger. This was Corrie's anger. Yes, yeah. he was saying like, "Get out of my class! Get out of my class!" And he wouldn't even like let the boy go through the the door the classroom. He pushed him out the window. And did you ever come across Baylor? Um, yes, I had him. He joined the school when I was in fifth class. Okay. Um, he And he was our English teacher that year. And like, I know it might sound a bit bizarre, but I actually thought he was quite a good teacher. Okay. Um, and uh, he took an interest in, in lots of us. Um, it was definitely his first year in the school. Um, uh, when I was in fifth class and the summer I mean nothing I don't think he he uh, abused any of our class uh, in that year um, maybe he was biding his time yeah. maybe he was trying to, to groom us I received a postcard from, from him uh, in the summer of that year yeah. um, and it was <laughs> The weird thing, Joe, is it was it came from Dachau concentration camp in Germany, and I. It's a bit I, odd. Then I thought nothing of it. Yeah. And now I think it's bizarre yeah. and weird. And, uh, I remember and, one that we've had lots of different communications, some of which we can't use over the weekend. Yeah. I, sorry, can't use as of yet. But um, yeah. one of them was from one pupil who said he remembered um, Baylor coming into the class. Uh, being looking very bruised and battered, as if he'd got a hiding off somebody, and right. then and then this this uh, uh, correspondent said, then he remembered the we can't find a newspaper report of the court case, but he said he remembered Baylor being caught in the hotel room with the young child by the guardie. But anyway, there's it's a jigsaw, it's a jigsaw, yeah, it's, yeah. a jigsaw it's a jigsaw at this stage. Um, I mean. I- yeah, I mean, again, I was I was young, I was naive, I was innocent. I saw uh, the things that I saw didn't like. I didn't know what what was going on then, and and I, I've spoken to to friends of mine who were in in the same classes, and 
they one of them um, would have yeah. said he knew a lot more about what was uh, going on, or he he noticed things, yeah. gestures, um, you know, yeah. the way yeah. the way that the, the priests or or the, the some of the late teachers would would put a hand on somebody's shoulder or something like that, yeah. which might seem quite innocent. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. I, again, I guess, you know, with adult eyes, you notice more. Um, and, and thankfully, I was I was not abused. And uh, then we're, we're also getting, I'll finish on this, also getting a lot of communications from about other schools and about horrific, savage physical violence being uh, unleashed on, on, on young children. OK, Jonathan, thank you so much. Mark Vincent Healy, thank you as well. Troy Bridgman, Rick Sainz, uh, Pat and uh, Elvis Coote. Joe at RTE.ie. Talk to Joe on 0818 715 Talk to Joe on 0818-715-815. Uh, Maria MacDonald has one of the many, many women who contacted us. And you've heard so many tributes, rightly so, from uh, half ten this morning. And they will continue for a long, long time uh, to Vicky. Uh, as I said earlier, one of the few people who's... Uh, you only have to use her first name and people realise someone who wasn't in a public eye up to, what, four years ago and unfortunately was catapulted into the public eye by her discovery of a cover-up. That has a resonance even today, as I said, and her own courage. Maria, good afternoon. Hiya, Joe. How are you? You want to pay tribute to uh, Vicky. I do, yeah. um, I've just been in awe of the woman for the last few years since she came into the, the limelight of her horrendous ordeal that she went through. And I dedicated a poem to her last year and she actually did receive it and thanked me for it, which oh, was okay. just, yeah, made my day. So, Which was just so typical, typical of her as well. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, well, have you a name on the poem or is it just Vicky? It's just called Vicky. As you said, you just need one, one name and okay. people know who you're talking about. Yeah. Well, take your time. You've all the time. Great. So, Vicky. As a young girl, we learn to adapt into the future of a woman's role. Still innocent, wild and a child, but monthly cycles take their toll. Learn to live at it, we're told. You can now become a mother. But it isn't fair we want to play, becoming envious of our carefree brother. We hide it all with shame as we purchase our monthly packet. Uncomfortable and full of pain, but we mustn't make a racket. Our mothers sit us down and give the talk on the birds and the bees. Be careful, keep away from the boys, as if, some, as if cursed with some deadly disease. But it's part of nature and we carry on. We learn to live with it. From as young as 10 years old to 50 really seems quite shit. So time goes by, the girls mature and bodies begin to change. Breast checks, smear tests and pregnancies all seem so very strange. We take good care of our bodies and do what we've been told. Trust in the medical experts, although lies we have been sold. If you catch this disease in time, chances are of a longer life. Good news to hear if you're a mother and a happy devoted wife. So results come back and all is fine and we breathe a sigh of relief, carrying on with life as normal, not having to deal with grief. But feelings start to occur now, something's not right inside. But we have faith in the system, should aid have nothing to hide. Until one brave young woman decided to question her pain. I'll have a sneaky look at my charts. I've nothing to lose or gain. And there in black and white, the horror she sees on her file. Good God, there must be an error. I've been sick for quite a while. She questions those revelations and is given the terrible news. I'm afraid it's terminal now. It's a battle you may have to lose. The fear, the sadness, the anger, remembering the smell of flesh burning. Inside her heart was breaking and along with it her stomach was turning. Okay, we all have to go sometime, but this could have been prevented. It now seemed she wasn't alone with over 200 cases presented. An advocate for those also suffering, just wanting to reveal the big lie and bringing it now to the courts, so much wanting to live and not die. 
Then more stories unfolded on other women going through the same. Excuses and lies were given and apologies seemed so lame. Emma, Patricia and Ruth, to name but a few that have passed. But this soldier carries on fighting and new treatments improving at last. Broken promises of those poor women will no longer have to fight in public or in courtrooms, which addressed, which added pressure to their horrible plight. Overcoming is her title as she spoke out against all the rules within a country run by deceit, trying to make us look like poor fools. I hope and I pray, dear Vicky, that you truly beat this in the end. And I know I speak for other women with, with the love and the hugs we all send. Not only have you managed to write a very powerful uh, tribute, Maria, but you've also told the story I have. I had a of the cover up. I had this was Vicky. Yeah. Remember, she was reading the chart upside down on the desk. She was trying yeah. to read it up, there, and then she had a sneaky look at you. I'd, I, I'll have a sneaky look at my chart. I've nothing to lose mm. or gain. And yeah. there, in black and white, the horror. She sees on her file. Good God, there must be an error. I've been sick. Yeah. For quite a while, yeah. two, uh, two, two, one. It's a very powerful uh, tribute and very, very well written and, and very, very heartfelt as well. And I know uh, people from every walk of life in Ireland, every part of Ireland and indeed beyond, um, will be adding their uh, sympathy uh, to Vicky's family. I'm thinking of her parents, thinking of her children, thinking of her husband. Exactly, and, her, yeah. and her many, 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 many friends, new friends, a lot of them. And the last yeah. four years that uh, that her selflessness um, uh, became such a magnet for so so many people. So uh, may Vicky uh, not just rest in peace, may she rest in power. Thanks indeed, exactly. Maria, and thanks uh, for Vicky's life. We are it's too short, but we are all the better uh, for it, and our thoughts are with all women um, who are facing this challenge uh, today. Uh, thank you, thank you, Maria. Today's program, um, today's program uh, was uh, produced by Sean O'Gorman and Ray Darcy is next. Good afternoon. Oh eight one eight seven one five eight one five stays open until three fifteen p.m. Or email Joe at rte.ie.